Hi, folks. This podcast is recorded in a house with animals. I have a small orange dictator currently on my desk demanding pettings. So I'm recording this while scritching her under the chin and behind the ears because she's just like that. So if she mews and complains, it's because I'm, I, I stopped. Oh, now she's getting up. Uh, don't look at that. No, don't, don't sit on the other laptop. I know it's warm, but it's not, it's not for kitty cats. Here, I'm just going to close the lid. Also, <laughs> We tend to swear a lot, so this podcast is marked explicit. Now, we don't actually have what is considered by most places mature content or explicit content or whatever you want to call it, but since we swear a lot and it is considered, you know, parental guidance suggested, blah, 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 we have to mark it explicit because, uh, hello, kitty cat, uh, because there's only two settings on most sites explicit and clean particularly apple which i wish they were a little more fine-grained with there you go sweetie off the table and so that's how it happens see animal interruptions welcome to productivity alchemy episode 95 if everything has gone according to plan we are on an airplane home now we have spent most of april in china it is now may if i'm reading the calendar and predicted places things correctly and so that's the thing. We are on our way home, and I hope we have had a good time, and we will talk about it next week, which is also very exciting, or maybe the week after. We'll see how we're feeling, or if I'm just going to do another episode of, hey guys, we're exhausted, and here's the interview. Because I still have a couple interviews in the can, and they're really good. And speaking of interviews, I have this week an interview with Emily keeler Platten who is a museum outreach specialist. And it's really cool. And I don't want to steal any more of her thunder. So we're just going to go straight into the interview. And I will be back to talk to you after that. Hi, folks. I am here with Emily Keeler-Platten. Did I get that right? I yes. got that right. Okay, yeah. Who is going to talk today about how she stays productive. And you're in Alaska. Yes. Which means you just basically got the sun back. Yeah, we're actually up to about 12 hours of daylight now. Ooh. So At, nice. Yeah, right up until it hits the point where it's, you know, 20 hours of daylight, and then you're just praying for sleep. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, but. yeah. Um, one of the one of the things that I had to get used to when we were in Iceland last year was the fact that it never got dark. Yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up in Alaska, so mm. I'm kind of used to that. And actually, now if it gets dark in the summer, I get kind of weirded out. So. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. So, and hopefully the chickens will not interrupt. I don't know where they've wandered off to because it's it's the middle of the afternoon. So, yeah. All right. So uh, now that we've gone through that, um, can you actually introduce yourself a little better uh, than I just did and <laughs> maybe tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about what you do? Yeah. Uh, so I'm Emily Keeler-Platten. I am currently working at a mid-sized museum. 
um, in Alaska and as a in the education department. So my official title is outreach specialist, which doesn't mean much. Uh, <laughs> what I mostly do is um, plan programs for families at the museum. So my main job is doing monthly family days where we have activities all over the museum designed for kids and adults to do together. I also help out with a bunch of our programs for kids of various ages, um, do community events. I'm also responsible for keeping our part of the website updated, which is annoying. But, yeah, but. Yeah. And um, the interesting thing about the museum is that it is um, multidisciplinary. So it's heavily focused on natural history and science, mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of Alaska history. We have an art gallery. We also have a heavy focus on Alaska Native cultures. So in all of the programs that I do, um, it is um, I incorporate all of those various aspects into it. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, one of the weird quirks about my job is mm -hmm. um, the museum is connected to a university. Ooh. So and the university does not like to pay people in the summertime. Mm. So I actually have a 10 month contract. I get two months off in the summer. So I have to find something, some way to pay the bills during the summer. So um, I do, I've done various things, but most recently I worked at an outdoor nature education camp last year. So Ooh. I spent two weeks tromping around in the woods with a, bu with a bunch of eight and nine year olds. So, um, oh, dear God. That was, yeah, that was a challenge. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, and I've done a lot of other things in the past. Mm -hmm. um, I, was a grad student in museum studies. Before that, I taught English in Japan for a few years. Oh, wow. Um, I worked at a GED program. Um, I've done office work. I've done retail. I worked at a job helping people with disabilities. So like, I've had different organizational strategies for each sort of stage of my life. Cool. I, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the, I mean, you work for a museum, but I guess the museum closes in the summer because the university's closed. Well, it's really weird that the museum summer is obviously peak tourist season in Alaska. Right, right. So oh, yeah. all of the front desk people are there and the museum is open. It's open extended hours, actually. But for some reason, whoever's in charge decided this is peak visitor season. So we don't need any education staff. Right. Which, mm. yeah. yeah. So I guess it's just a cost-cutting measure. I don't know. So we don't do a, most of our programs in the summer, mm -hmm. and we just pick it back up in the fall. So. I, I suppose they expect a lot of families are doing vacation things, and, and yeah. yeah. Oh. It's frustrating, but, but what are you going to do? Still, you work in a museum, which is pretty freaking cool. It is. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. So through all that, and I can't wait to hear about the summer camp bit. How do you keep yourself organized? Oh, boy. Well, I am definitely a list maker. Okay. Um, I um, It's all paper. I don't really do much digital stuff, with the exception of Google Calendar. Um, I use that at work to coordinate meetings and appointments and things, you know, because everyone at work has Google Calendar. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say without like a secretary to manage it for you, Google Calendar or some sort of shared calendar is just so important these days. 
It is. It really is. So I use that for coordinating meetings with my Mm -hmm. supervisor or other departments or things like that. But that's not a huge part of my job. So I mostly Mm -hmm. just use that at work. Um, I I also, for some reason, get really bothered when Google Calendar... um, pops up the little reminders at me. I'm like, yes, I know. I know. I know I have a meeting in 10 minutes. So I turned off all the reminders. That's no, I, I end up turning off a lot of reminders too. Cause otherwise it's just like pop up. And especially since I also follow like my kids calendar for yeah, their school. Exactly. And it's like, I, I have no reason to go to the spring, the, the spring forward, um, elementary school thing Uh, no you know i have a high schooler so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so that's just one of the things that Mm. helps me manage google calendar um what i usually do the thing about my job is i'm planning events and Mm -hmm. so and i have to keep track of like i have an event in two weeks but then i have an event two weeks after that so i have to sort of manage them all Mm -hmm. you know and keep caught up on all of them so they don't nothing sneaks up on me Right. So for the big events, like family days, I've developed a system where I have a, a standard task list. Because there's certain things that have to be done for every family day. Um, you know, like emailing the volunteers and getting the snacks and coordinating with the curators and so on. So um, I have this standard task list and then I um, customize it for each family day. Usually about a month prior to each event, I'll sit down and write it all out every little step so like for example if i have a scavenger hunt i have to go decide on the format of the scavenger hunt and then i have to go pick out which objects in the galleries and then i have to make the the hint sheets and then i have to decide on a prize you know so i list every individual step right for each activity and then once i do that i assign like a day to each one like i'm going to do it on this day and then um and then i take all of that and put it in chronological order so I have it broken down both by activity and by date. Ooh. So, mm-hmm. And then, so that keeps me on track for those big events. I don't usually do that for the smaller events, like our weekly family programs, because they're simpler. There's not as many yeah, yeah. parts. But what I do do is I come up with a list sort of week by week of what are my main big things I have to do this week. So like every month, there's certain things I have to do. I have to make the monthly flyer. I have to send out the uh, public service announcements. I have to um, mm-hmm. make a um, special activity sheet for the gallery. Like there's certain things. So I will write down like these are the big things I have to do each mm-hmm. week. And I usually do that about a month in advance and then make new lists every month and keeping track of all the events. So like I'll have the events that I have to do and then I have the other events that my coworkers are doing so I know what they're doing. Yowza, so, yeah. Yeah, so like keeping track cuz we have a small team. We have 5 people on our mm-hmm. team and most of us are part-time to some degree, so we just have to keep track of what we're all doing and help out. Right, lots so, of moving parts, yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. So that's how I do it at work. And then, you know, once I have my main, like, these are the big tasks I have to do this week, I'll mm. sit down and make a list for each, you know, each day. And I usually do that one to two days in advance. So every day when I get to work, I have a list right there at my desk. Like, mm-hmm. These are the tasks you have to do this day. And obviously things come up. So, oh, yeah. you know, I can add to the list, cross them out and everything. Mm-hmm. And then usually about halfway through the day, my to-do list gets so messy with things scribbled out and crossed out in notes that I just take another piece of paper and rewrite it. Mm-hmm. So it looks okay. So um, 
And that's something that I'm actually still working on is that um, I, um, so I keep all these lists and then they get really messy. And so I can't stand looking at them and I throw them away, but then I don't have that record of what I've done <laughs> in the past days. So I'm still trying to like figure out if I need to get a special notebook or what, but mm -hmm. I have so much scrap paper at work that I want to use it up before <laughs> I break into a perfectly good notebook. So I, I'm still trying to figure that part out. I was going to say a three hole punch would do wonders. That's true. You know, I, should, I should just make a binder yeah. for that. Good idea. And that way you can just flip through the past. Uh, I have, I, you can't see it. Uh, we have the cameras on for this one. Um, but I have all of my little disc bound notebooks behind me. You, mm -hmm. yeah, no, you really can't see it. I'm trying to figure out what you, where, where the screen ends. Oh, it's ends up there, but you know, I've got one. Whereas I go through the monthly list, I just, um, I move it. I move it to mm -hmm. a different notebook and that way, I still have the record, but it's not in front of me. Yeah, exactly. You can put it away. That's a good idea. Yeah, and then I've, I started uh, when I started doing that. I just I have a notebook for 2018, and that one is now just off to the side. And now I'm I guess as I, I've got a whole new one that I'm starting just for 2019. Yeah, that right? makes sense. Yeah, I, I picked that one up from uh, the Franklin Covey. Oh yeah. Because they sell these big things like here's your binder for the year and you just when when you're through with the quarter or whatever you just put it in the binder and put it on your shelf and I'm like that's very pretty. It takes up a lot of space for stuff I probably don't care about. And now here I am several years later going, you know, that's really handy. Maybe I should have been doing that for a while. Yeah, but you're not paying however much money for the special Franklin Covey notebook. Oh no, no 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 no. No. Yeah. I'll just get like the big two inch rings someday and bind up, you know, five years at a yeah. time and go, well, there's those five years, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it makes sense. Yeah. So for the summer camp mm -hmm. I did last year, obviously that was very, very different. I'm um, guessing, yeah. Um, it was interesting because there were a bunch of different instructors for each of the age groups and mm -hmm. I had the eight and nine year olds and they did put us through a training first and they had a sort of not exactly a curriculum set up, but mm -hmm. suggested activities to do with the kids. And so they went through a bunch of that. And so we had a good idea, but then I had to sit down and figure out, okay, which day am I doing this activity? How long right. is it going to take? Right. And so I would make a daily schedule. And then I discovered very quickly that when you're dealing with a bunch of kids out in the woods, schedules don't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, we'll spend a half an hour on this. And then they go play in the woods for half an hour. And I'm like, okay, well, that didn't work. So yeah. yeah. So it was, and I tried the first week, it was a two week camp. And the first week I tried to um, like make everything, make all of my materials in advance and have it all set out day by day. And then like, you know, by about Wednesday, I was like, well, everything's a mess now. Yeah. So I definitely had to be a little bit more flexible. So for the mm -hmm. second week, <laughs> I went back and just like made a list of like, all right, Monday we'll do these three activities. Tuesday we'll do these three activities and this fourth one if we have time. Right. You know, so like it was much more like not structured, like from one o'clock to two o'clock we'll do this, you know, because that did not work at all. It goes right out the window. Um, what What is yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah, I've I've so, heard it said both God plans, man laughs, and every plan is good until you meet the enemy. And in this uh, case, yeah. yeah, the enemy is eight and nine year olds. So <laughs> yeah, they were interesting. <laughs> yeah, so 
So that was definitely um, a learning experience. Um, when I was in grad school, I did have a paper planner because um, I had to keep track because we had so many meetings with my classmates and lectures mm-hmm. and classes and all of that. So I had to keep a keep a calendar, just like a little paper calendar where I write down, kept track of my schedule and, you know, deadlines and all of that. Yeah. So in that case, yeah. my paper was useful. Mm-hmm. And then I also used the same system for when I had a job. Um, this was about five years ago. No, wait. Seven years ago? Wow. Don't do the math. Um, Don't do the math. Don't do the math, yeah. Um, I had a job where I was working with people with um, developmental disabilities Mm -hmm. and uh, going to their house and helping them get out in the community and go to events and also, you know, and just doing stuff with them. And so that I definitely Mm -hmm. had to have a calendar because I was going to different people's houses each day at different times. Yep. So I had to really be on the ball with that one. Mm -hmm. um, And then when I was teaching in Japan, I was teaching at a conversation school. So it wasn't like a K through 12 school. Um, It was people who usually come after work around the weekends, Mm -hmm. you know, and we'd have conversational classes. And so I just had a big notebook and then like had sections for um, each class I was teaching. And then like at each page was like, it was usually once a week class. So I had one page for each lesson plan. Right. And so um, that was really, um, really helpful to look Mm -hmm. back and be like, oh, what did I do last week? What did I do three weeks ago? Or like, oh, I did this with this class three weeks ago. I can do it with this other class this week. You know, to have that record. And then I'd fill up the notebook and start a new one. So that was definitely, definitely, I was just, it was an interesting experience. Yeah. So, so does that mean you're fluent in Japanese as well? I'm not fluent. Um, I can get by. Mm-hmm. I can like go to the grocery store and all of that. But because I was being paid to teach English, I spoke English most of the time. <laughs> so and you know right. what? everyone in Japan wants to practice their English with you. So oh, wow. I never yeah. really got fully fluent. And then actually I came back from Japan in 2012. So I've lost a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I did last fall because I worked the museum's connected with the university would get free tuition. So I actually took a a Japanese class just to brush up on Mm -hmm. it, which totally added another level of organizational challenge (laughs) because the class was at 2 PM every day. Mm -hmm. And so I would go to work, leave work, go to the class, then go back to work. (laughs) And uh, that was quite a shift. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other part of the organizational structure is, um, like personal at home stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, definitely more of a challenge. I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't have to worry about that, but it's me and my husband and the cat. And um, so we have to keep track of, you know, dentist appointments and vet appointments and yeah. when to take the car in and all of that. So we do have a paper calendar on the wall for that where we write down appointments. And then um, I try to keep, like, I try to keep um, a, routine for like sort of those routine tasks Mm -hmm. like every saturday or sunday i do the laundry you know every um you know every two weeks i wash the sheets or whatever like so i try to keep it so like pretty much on the weekends i know exactly what i have to do to keep up with yeah life with life yeah as life happens yeah exactly so and there have been things that have escaped my attention like Oh, when was the last time I changed my car's oil? Mm-hmm. 
you know. So I have to really keep track of that. And generally that comes down to making lists or putting little notes on the refrigerator saying, call the mechanic. Right, right. You know, so but oh, I'm connected with that. I have a note here. Um, just a few months ago, mm-hmm. I got a um, – was set up with one of the CPAP machines for oh. apnea. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know Ursula has one too. And when they first gave me the list of all the maintenance that has to be done, I just like froze. I was like, when do you, how often do you have to clean the hoses? How often do you have to change the filters? Ah! Yeah. So, yeah. So that has been a challenge. Yeah. So no, the first the thing I, big yeah. maintenance for us has been just replacing the face masks when they run out. Yeah. It's been. Hmm. It's just trying to remember. And like, mm-hmm. they told me that the face mask would last two to four weeks and they've only been lasting two weeks. So it's very frustrating. It, it varies by mask, but we found a third party seller that costs about a third what the medical supply place wants to, to cost that lasts a yeah. good month each. And it's just like, so we can pay $30 a month for this for this one over here, which fits and does everything it's supposed to do, or we can pay like $120 a month for this one over here that doesn't. And then, and every time we change insurance or every, you know, they're like, do you really need the new mask? We're just like, yep. Yeah, actually I do. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. Yeah. It's very frustrating. So like I have to actually write down a schedule because like I have to change the filter every two weeks and every Mm -hmm. three months you have to change the hoses and, so, like, that has been a thing that I've just had to keep track of. Um, so, and I have that written on the calendar, and I actually have a list on the refrigerator. Like, every day, do this. Every mm-hmm. week, do this. Every two weeks, do this. Right. And then I try to do it, except for, the, like, the weekly or biweekly stuff. I try to do that all on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I just don't get off schedule. Because, <laughs> like, if I forget one week or I do it on Monday instead of Sunday, then I, it's all over. Right. <laughs> So, yeah. So that's Familiar with that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, when they first gave me that list and the guy was explaining everything you have to do, I was just like, uh, I can't do that. Yeah, I, I gotta say, either Ursula is really slacking on the maintenance or she has a, a different model. Well, I'm sure she has a different model that doesn't require quite that same amount of maintenance. But she's also got, like, this thing that she puts the mask into and it, it has like a connection for the hose and stuff and it sterilizes, like does a cleaning cycle and a sterilization thing every night. I should ask about that. Yeah. That cause, would be awesome. Cause she just like, it's, it's, it's all one thing and she just, you know, plops the mask in, closes the lid and walks away and it's like set for two in the afternoon. It goes through and it runs a sterilization cycle. I will definitely ask the doctor about that. <laughs> yeah. That would Definitely lessen my stress. Yeah, it's it's. I was looking at it going. Okay, this is kind of cool, and I'm like, how much does this cost? Oh, that costs a lot of money. Um, <laughs> uh, insurance companies. Yeah, but the the re- reduction in maintenance and the things she doesn't have to remember if that means she isn't having to do filters and cleaning yeah. the hoses and all that stuff every like week. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely, definitely mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so we've touched a little bit about this because you've said lists, 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 lists. Yeah. Big on lists. Um, so what systems and, and habits are valuable? So lists and routine, I think we pretty much picked up. <laughs> <laughs> and 
this is a weird thing about mm-hmm. me. Everyone says it's weird, but a huge part of my routine and mm-hmm. frankly, my mental health is every weekend I clean the bathroom. That's not that weird. Because like it is one of those things where mm-hmm. I have to set aside time and it's usually Saturday, sometimes Sunday, depending on what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I do a thorough cleaning of the bathroom. And once I do mm-hmm. that, I'm like, okay, my, sort of my mind is reset and I can do this. And I think in one episode of Kevin and Ursula Eat Cheap, they, mm-hmm. um, you talked about a load-bearing neurosis. Yes, yes. Um, where it's like, as long as I can do this one weird thing, I can let other things th- go. Mm-hmm. And that's what cleaning the bathroom is for me. And in fact, it was this was a few years ago, um, my anxiety le- levels were rising. And um, I was I definitely knew I need to get my medication adjusted. But the moment I realized that, was mm-hmm. one weekend where my husband cleaned the bathroom for me and I flipped out. <laughs> I was like, he, will he clean the bathroom? I, what do I do? We did it wrong. I'm going to have to do it again. Then I was like, you know, let's probably go see my doctor. Yeah, maybe time to, yeah, think about that. Yeah. Um, he was like, I'm never cleaning the bathroom again. <laughs> so. That's yeah. like loading the dishwasher here, and it, it's such a small thing, but if it's loaded wrong or whatever, I, I tend to just I, – I, I go neurotic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's a huge mm-hmm. part of you know just maintaining the routine. Um, I also um, – another really important part for me is um, you know some days are harder than others, mm-hmm. and on those days, what I try to do at work is I write down on my to-do list little mm-hmm. tiny tasks, like water my plant, Okay. because that's a very easily accomplished thing, and then I can check it off and then feel like I did something. Uh, it's, it's almost like having a to-done uh, to list. Here's all the yeah, things exactly. I got done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's exactly um, what it is. It's like okay, like maybe I can't plan this entire event and, you know, email all the volunteers and do all this stuff, but I can at least water my plant. Yeah, the plant will not die on my watch. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's been good. Um, And another thing that I've um, thought I've um, figured out over the years is um, changing um, some of the wording on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. Like I had this thing a few months ago where on my to-do list, I had to go into the supply closet and find something. And I went into the supply closet and I looked and I looked and looked and it was not there. And then I went, so I couldn't go cross it off my list. Right. I hadn't found it. And then I realized what I should have done is write down on my list, look for this thing. Right. Because I did do that. I accomplished that. It's not my fault. It wasn't there. Or you need to order more or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like, it's not because I didn't find it. It doesn't mean like I failed. It just means that I didn't, you know, didn't find it. Yeah. So, yeah. Someone used it up and forgot to reorder. And now it's your problem. Exactly. (laughs) So that's one of those things where um, just sort of changing the mental framework around it. Like, Mm -hmm. so that's important. So, yeah, um, I did recently start using the online, the don't break the chain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I've been using that for, strangely enough, is one of the things that I, um, not really a New Year's resolution, but just something that I want to do was um, read a little bit, read a, read a novel before I go to bed every night. Because mm-hmm. I love reading, but if I don't have to make time for it and specifically say I'm going to read this book, it just doesn't happen. 
So I have been, um, I've been doing that and marking it on the, just the little thing mm-hmm. when you press the button online and it tells you, you've been doing this for 70 days yep, or whatever it is. And so that's been successful for that, like the little things I want to work on. I don't think it would necessarily be something I'd use at work just because I know what I have to do at work and I don't need to, I, you know, I yeah. don't need that sort of encouragement, but for the things I just sort of kind of, I want to try doing and keep mm-hmm. going. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a very basic habit tracker in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. You know, and I've seen similar things in like bullet journals where people draw the big grid and every time they, you know, every day when they do the thing, they just cycle it out. And if they don't do the thing that day, then they don't color it in for that day. And it just perpetuates and it, it, Mm-hmm. You know, in Habitica, it's it's the dailies or the the whatever habits. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's like, yes, I have a streak of, I don't know, 500 some odd days feeding the dogs. Well, that's good. I'm sure the dogs appreciate it. Yeah, it's sometimes I forget to check it off. That's the only thing. It's, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, yes, I fed the dogs. I fed the chickens. I <laughs> did not check it off for two days in a row because I was offline doing an event or something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is one thing I never forget to do is feed the cat because mm-hmm. she is very good at reminding me. That is uh, – yeah, the dogs and the cats and the chickens, they they don't have a problem reminding you loudly sometimes. Oh, that, yeah. That it's it's food time. Sergey, the reason I've, I'm actually locked in the office right now <laughs> um, oh, with everybody outside because this is about the time of day that Sergey starts to wander in and knock things off my desk and looking at me like – yeah. He, he gives me that, look what you made me do. If you had fed me, we wouldn't be having this situation now, would we? Kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and the cat has definitely learned that there's two humans in the house. Ah. So that human fed me, but the other human didn't. So uh, maybe I'll try that one. Yeah, no, yeah. Sergey has figured out that I'm, I'm the one who feeds and I'm the one who caves faster than <laughs> Ursula does. And... <laughs> She's told me that when I'm not at home, when I'm traveling for work or at a con or something, that the dogs do not bother her the way they bother me. And the cats yeah. don't bother her the way they bother me. And I'm just like, I see. They they know who the weak link is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, my cat's favorite technique is she doesn't get yow- loud and yowly. She'll just sit by her food bowl and just look at you. Mm. Do you see this? You see this? Yeah. You know, you could feed me. Mm. Like, and she'll do that even when she has a full food bowl because she's a cat. I was going to say, I've I've watched Sergey sit there and look at the food bowl with food in it and go, this is not acceptable. I, I require different food. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Which is why we can no longer give him chicken-based food because he just refuses to eat it now. Oh, jeez. Cats, man. Jeez. Cats, Yeah. You've got some interesting ones. He's, he's, sure. I think he's just bored with chicken, and I'm like, oh, great. So I have to buy you all the fish stuff, and I have to rotate through it so you don't get bored with the fish. Oh. Yeah, I think we're, we're doing a little bit of that with the mm-hmm. cat now is that, like, the rule with cats and probably dogs, too, is that they will love a food until you buy it in bulk. Oh, no, we have hounds. Hounds don't give a crap. Uh, you know, they're just like, is there food in the bowl? Okay, I will eat it. Like, you would think, we, we started giving them charcoal, like powdered charcoal on top of their food. Now, the cats would look at this and go, this is not acceptable. What is this? And the dogs didn't even notice. They're like, hey, look, something new. I can't taste it. Who cares? And I'm just yeah. like, really, guys? 
You you know, any other dog I'm sure would have been like, I don't understand this. And, you know, would have been wary. Our guys were just like, well, our, our dogs, they're not both guys. We're just like, okay, food. And I'm, I look at the, yeah, hounds, food motivated. They don't care what the food is. They'll, they'll eat it. It's just. They'll eat it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, cats are a little more picky, usually. Oh, Lord, yes. So much yes. All right. Okay. So, so yeah. So, but, yeah, those are the basic mm-hmm. um, routines and, you know, habits that are that I try to stick to, you know. Mm-hmm. And I try to be flexible, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like I try to keep to routine, but obviously things happen. So, I oh, have yeah. to remind myself, like, it's okay. I, you know, it's okay if it changes you know it's not the end of the world yes so like especially when i was teaching or you know working with the um summer camp like definitely things did not go according to plan there is there is nothing to prove the the fallibility of human planning like small children uh yeah yeah so i had to learn that actually um Years ago, about 10 years ago now, I before I went to Japan, I took this uh, certification course to learn how to teach English mm-hmm. uh, as a second language um, or as a foreign language. And um, during that course, they had you write down everything. They had you make this super, super detailed lesson plan. Mm-hmm. And then you'd go in the classroom and, of course, it would completely fall to pieces. Right. But because you had practiced that structure before – Mm-hmm. You had planned for that, you know. You knew, okay, if this doesn't go according to plan, I'll switch to plan B. Yeah, you know. So yeah, that yeah. was like an important lesson, especially for teaching, is that like you have to plan, be plan, be prepared. You have to plan, but you also, just as important, have to be flexible. Yeah, just just you enough know? flexibility in the system to recover when everything goes sideways. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. I try to keep that in mind, mm-hmm. and and things like that happen at work all the time. Like oh, yeah. I'll be working, I'll be seeing they're developing some activity for an upcoming event and someone will come mm-hmm. in and say, um, so there's a teacher at this desk uh, at the front desk with 80 kids and they need, um, scavenger hunts. And I'm like, um, well, let me see what I can do. Yep. <laughs> and then suddenly my entire afternoon has changed. Yep. Let me yep. just pull out the, the, you know, one of the past scavenger hunts. Do some quick photocopies and off we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, there's all sorts of things. And, you know, you know, and sometimes someone will come in and be like, here, have a box of bear skulls. And I'm like, oh, I guess I have bear skulls today. Yay, bear Let's skulls. Oh, man. We don't have a bear skull yet. I need to. Sorry. <laughs> it's... Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. One day, um, I think it was last fall, um, we'd done this program. And um, so I had all the material still in my office and it was all about skulls. So I literally had about 10 different skulls of different carnivores laid out on my desk. (laughs) And I just like took a picture of it and sent it to my mom and was like, my job is weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, but things happen. Yeah. Yeah. There was a very, a couple of years ago, actually, right after I started working at the museum, the, um, there had been, um, we're in Fairbanks, which is in the middle of the state, but down right. by Anchorage, they had um, a humpback whale had washed ashore and died. Oh. And our mammals team went down and sca- and salvaged the skeleton. Mm-hmm. So, and they're going to add it to the collection. And um, 
But what that meant was I showed up to work one day and on this big trailer behind the museum was a giant whale skull. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were in Skagway when we did our honeymoon mm-hmm. cruise and yeah. the one store had a baleen whale skull hanging from the ceiling and we were both looking at it going, how much does it cost? Well, it costs about $8,000. And <laughs> how much would it cost to get home? Because we can't just take it on the boat and then fly home with it. And, oh, yeah. you know, so it had to go overland from basically the west coast of Alaska. And we're like, yeah. is it? No, no. Plus, I'm thinking, how, what do I have to do to the house to be able to support a Bailey and whale yeah. skull? Because it is not small, you know? Yeah. They're I, actually, it's a different skull that they're looking at putting a, hanging a bowhead whale skull in the, no, not just the skull, the whole skeleton. Right. In the, um, front entrance of the museum mm-hmm. and like they had to call in a bunch of engineers and be like what structural things do we need to do to support the weight of a bowhead whale skeleton yeah yeah i mean the store was a log cabin i mean it was you know all big thick beams and i'm like okay yeah i can see just you know throw a couple chains over a beam and there's a skull hanging there i'm thinking about it in our house going could we no. use it as a coffee table how long would it take for the cats to move into the brain cavity? <laughs> you know, I'm just like, uh, no, I still, I, I regret not buying it a little, but, but the logistics yeah. around it were just, just too much. Suppose we oh. could have put it on the front porch upright. Now, now we'd have chickens roosting in it. So that would also be a problem. So, <laughs> chickens yeah. roosting in a whale. Oh, that's very on brand for you. Yeah, it would be. It would be. Now that I think about it, yes, that would totally be on brand. So now I have to go back to Skagway to see if this guy. I'm kidding. I don't think I have to okay. go back to Skagway. <laughs> I'll let you know if I see any for sale. There you go. There you go. All right. So, all right. Um, anything else in the systems and habits? Oh, no, I think we pretty much covered it all. Okay. All right. Well, then, I, I and I think I already know the answer to this one, but how do you decide what to do first? And let me guess. It's at the top of the list. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I mean, like, when I get up in the morning, I'm not a morning person. Um, I'm also not a night owl. I'm one of those weird middle-of-the-day people. So Gotcha. Yeah. But so when I get up in the morning, like, my morning routine is very standardized. Like, I always mm-hmm. you know, take a shower, get dressed have breakfast like in the same order every morning mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. it gives me time for my brain to kick in and for some reason i married a morning person which makes things a little weird in the morning uh, yeah yeah he always wants to talk to me in the morning. so so yeah ursula keeps saying i'm a morning person and what i'm saying back to her is no it's just that i'm forced to get up two to three hours before you do to get the kid to school and to get and the dogs and everything like that so by the time you're actually getting up i have no choice but to have been awake for two or three hours so you're already awake and ready to go yeah yeah that's what it's like with my husband he gets up early and then like in the morning he always wants to have these deep conversations and we actually have a rule now Mm -hmm. we cannot discuss anything important before 9 a.m or after (laughs) 9 a.m because there have been cases where he tells me something important in the morning and i don't remember or Mm -hmm. i tell him something important in the evening and he doesn't remember we're like if it's important it has to be discussed in the middle of the day right we're both awake but yeah, so anyway, so after I get ready and I go to work, um, mm-hmm. there's a couple things I always do. The first thing, um, I check my email right? and I don't get a huge amount of my email. Like it's mm-hmm. not a few, you know, only a few, you know, less than 10 a day, which I know. Lucky. Sounds, 
<laughs> so um on a good day but anyway so i um excuse me mm-hmm. oh, okay. um so so I do that um, first thing and mm-hmm. see if there's anything urgent. And then I go and do a walkthrough of the museum because mm-hmm. there's certain public mm-hmm. spaces or family spaces, hands-on stuff that we're responsible for maintaining. Mm-hmm. So I always walk through and make sure no one has destroyed it. All the games and puzzles are in their proper places. So, mm-hmm. and that kind of like that routine sort of gives me a minute to be like, okay, yep, things are good. Everything's yep. in order. I can move on with my day. And then depending on the day, a lot of times I like to knock out like the little easy things first, just sort of give my brain time to warm up. Or if there's a big project that I'm excited about mm-hmm. or like, you know, like sometimes there's an activity I'm working on that I had to you know leave unfinished the day before. And I'm like, I get in the morning, I'm like, I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to finish this activity. So it just kind of depends on the day. Um, if I know I have like a meeting or appointment or something, fine not to um start big things right because i hate stopping in the middle so yeah and then yeah so and then um so i look at my list and i'm like okay here's a couple of little things i can do i'll just knock Mm -hmm. those off and then i'll just start working down the list you know and Mm -hmm. see what happens you know and then like when I was taking that Japanese class last semester, I had to really be on the ball because I had to leave at 2 p.m. every day. So I had to be like, okay, I'm going to do these tasks before the class and these tasks after the class, you know, right? and we right. plan that out. So that was another level of organization on top of that. So, yeah, so it just kind of depends on how it goes. And I also, you know, this is like, organization 101 but the breaking down of tasks into steps yeah. you know like i don't write do activity or develop scavenger hunt on my list i'm like first find the photos you know do mm-hmm. the layout you know little things so that i can actually check them off the list yeah i find it interesting how you've pre you know you pre-planned you've, you've almost create you've created templates basically for all right yeah. this is the activity we're going to do so i can just drop this in place and i can drop that in place and uh, that has to since you generally already know all the tasks involved and you already have the list that has to speed things up just tremendously mm-hmm. and it has taken me a while this is i've been at the job about two and a half years and it took me like a solid year of planning these things before i landed on the format and the template that worked for me well yeah and it there's got to be a lot of trial and error involved because maybe you do it this way and it works much better than it did last time and so we're going to tune things and that that sort of continual improvement is is huge and important yeah exactly and it and i have to really not judge myself because sometimes, you know, I go back and pull out an old activity to see if I can reuse it or mm-hmm. adapt it. And I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> like, what was I doing? And like, just, it was fine. It's just that I've learned so much since then. I right. look back and I'm like, why did I do it that way? Oh, you should you, know. you, you should see me comparing like notes on how I'm producing the podcast now versus how <laughs> I did it two years ago. It's been almost two years and just... Sorry, yeah. I have to take that moment and go, I did the math. It's been almost two years. Holy crap. Um, Don't do the math. <laughs> yeah, really. But the whole idea around how I did it then versus how I did it now versus how we did those first few episodes of KUEC and those first few episodes of Hidden Almanac and how all of them have evolved and streamlined over time. It's just, 
it's really valuable to look back and go, yeah, but then you also look back and you go, what was I thinking? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember I was uh, following Ursula's work and I remember listening to the very first episode of AUIC and just being like, this could be interesting. There's we're, we're still in a lot of the what were we thinking when we started it. <laughs> Every so often as we're putting together the, the foods, it's there's a lot of I, I hear, you know, Ursula sitting there pulling things out of the bin or whatever going, We should start a podcast, we said. It'll be fun. It'll be helpful. <laughs> yeah, things change over time. Oh um, yeah. Excuse me a minute. I just have to send this text. Um one of my friends um Contacted me yesterday and said, "Can you send me a text with a funny image or video at 1 p.m. tomorrow? Because I need <laughs> So I'm helping her productivity. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. And you've leaned in close enough to the camera now. I can see what your shirt is made up of. Oh. It's it's an elephant, but it looks like bricks from a distance. But when you lean in, I can see the top of the head, and it's an elephant made of little tiny elephants. Isn't it great? Which my is wicked. This for me. That's and wicked I, cool. I think it's amazing. One of my yeah. favorite things. Yeah. All right. Send funny image. Help person be productive. <laughs> I I will take a moment and hit the uh, hit the water bottle. Hail hydrate. Okay. Yep. There we go. For those of you listening at home, I'm using an opensource.com metal water bottle that was given to me for creating the 19 Days of Productivity article series on opensource.com. Um, Good. Just to plug in. Yeah, well, I... My mom's calling me. Hold on. <laughs> uh, now I have to tell her. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents. Yep. It, it never fails. Yep. So. No one ever calls me except in situations like this. Of course, and and that's but that's that's the the adapt and and yeah. you know it, the unexpected. And you have to work around it. Now I have to debate whether or not I'm going to cut some of this out or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that I'm probably leaving it in because I'm lazy. All right. Yeah. Thinking yeah, of that, uh, what's the best advice or feedback you've ever been given mm-hmm. or? Maybe not yeah. ever, but, you know, what's the best advice or feedback you've been given? Or you give other people. Oh, the big thing, and I mm-hmm. don't know where I got this from. I think it's just common advice, but mm-hmm. something I've really taken to heart is one thing at a time. Just one thing at a time. You yeah. just have to look at, the, like, sometimes I get to work and I look at my list and I'm like, oh, my God, I have so much to do. This is never going to get done. And I just have to be like, okay, pick one thing off the list and do it. Just one thing at a time, you know, and just, and I mean, and that I actually had to do that for on the home front last year because a whole bunch of stuff hit at once, like my computer died and then someone rear-ended my car and I had to get a new phone and I had to go to the dentist and it was just (laughs) like so overwhelming, all this life stuff at once. So we just, just, yeah. Juggle it and figure yeah. out what is the most important and just one at a time until it's all done. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I had to sit down and be like, okay, number one priority is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, number one priority is getting my car fixed yep. and dealing with all that crap. You know, number two priority is getting a new computer. Like what? Just one thing at a time. So yep. I'm not sure who first told me that. It's probably my parents. But, yeah. yeah. 
or uh, your t-shirt how do you make one big elephant lots of little elephant one little elephant at a time it, yeah, exactly I, i'm still working on the the not the the alternative to how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time which is essentially what all that yeah. you know all it boils yeah. down to it's just i i can't find an alternative that isn't just terrible not that not that the idea of eating an elephant is actually great, but uh, you I don't know, eat an elephant. I like elephants. Yeah, no, I've, yeah. Although, then, hmm. so the other big piece of advice was given to me mm-hmm. um, by a counselor about a little over ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, where um, after my dad died, I went to see this uh, grief counselor, right. um, and her biggest thing, you know, she was very helpful in many ways, but mm-hmm. one of the biggest things she told me was just be gentle with yourself. Yes. You know, just, it's okay. Like if things are hard, it's okay. Just be gentle. It's just be nice mm-hmm. to yourself in whatever way that is, you know? So, you know, it's interesting as, as things have gone on, especially in the last year, I've been hearing similar sentiments for advice, oh, wow. you know, um, this week, uh, the interview was with, Oh, I've already forgotten where the book go. Where's the rest? <laughs> One of these has all the prior, this one, all the notes from all the prior episodes. And so, of course I dropped it. It was the, oh, dang it. (laughs) Of course I drop it right in the middle as I'm flipping things open. I'm going to be fancy and I'm just going to flip right to the page. And the answer is, no, I'm just going to drop it right on the floor. Um, uh, uh, Yeah, okay. Uh, When I was talking to Sharon. Oh, right. And the, the, it was uh, writing begins with forgiveness from Daniel, Oldham. Oh, yeah. you know, but I, I've been seeing a lot of that. Forgive yourself, be gentle with yourself, be kind to yourself because we're so hard on ourselves all the time. Oh yeah. We're our own worst critics for yeah, sure. Absolutely. I just have to keep reminding myself like, it's okay. If I can't do that, it's okay. Or if this mm-hmm. is really hard right now, it's okay. So I just have to repeat that to myself all the time. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece of advice, I mean, it comes mm-hmm. from one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, is just uh, Dory, just keep swimming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So whatever happens, you just have to keep going. You know, we're all here and mm-hmm. we all have challenges and you just keep going a little bit at the time. So like if things are really tough, sometimes I'll just sing to myself, you know, just keep swimming, mm-hmm. just keep swimming. That's what we do. We swim. <laughs> it's... Um... <laughs> Uh, pops in Luke Cage, always forward, never back. Yep. You know? Exactly. Yep. So I try to do that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm looking at my cat right now. I think her motto is just keep eating. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the hounds but... would give him the chance. So, oh, yeah. All right. We got two left. All right. What order do you want them in? Let's do failure first. Okay. So for the people at home, the next who may have never listened before we have our uh, the last two questions one is about success which often people say is happy but difficult and one is about failure which people say is much easier to answer but sad so i always give people the chance to to choose so we're going to go with easy but sad first which is how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal well i think the important thing is i mean this is kind of cliche but how do you define failure Right. Because like at this job, I have not had like a massive failure in the sense like I forgot an event. Mm -hmm. 
or, you know, I completely dropped the ball and, you know, this event didn't happen because, you know, right. you, I didn't plan for it. Like that has never happened. So in that sense, mm-hmm. I can't really say like I failed. I mean, there have definitely been things that did not go according to plan right. or things that I really wish I had more time to do. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of activities where I just I wanted to make it better, but I just simply ran out of time and I had just throw it out there. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, you know, and then sometimes I plan something and I think it's great. And then at, at the event, like it goes completely differently than what I had planned. And I just yep. have to be like, OK, well, are they having fun? Are the people enjoying it? OK, well, that's OK then. You know, and I just kind of have to be like, it didn't work the way I planned, but that doesn't mean it's a failure. Right. And I, I think more people should really look at that. It's, oh God, who is it? It was someone had written in to say, you know, is anyone, is someone dead? Is someone bleeding? Is someone hurt? No. Yeah. Then what's the big deal? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So I always have to, if there, and so I always do try, if there's a little thing mm-hmm. like that, like, oh wait, this activity did not go the way I planned. They had trouble with this part. Okay, well, I'll write that down and next time I do that activity, I'll change it up. We can fix you it know? later, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's, um, just think about, sort of just go through it and be like, okay, well, we can change it, you know? So it's not a big... And the other thing, especially if I'm really stressed about something, um, is that mm-hmm. reminding myself, like, somehow it always gets done. Right. You know, like I had last month was a very, very busy month at the museum. Um, we had a big family day. And then the next week we had the annual museum sleepover, which is another whole nother story. I, I am. I find the concept cool, but from an organizational standpoint, terrifying. Yeah. And yeah. luckily my coworker did most of it. I okay. just had to come in at the last minute. So I, but it's a, people always ask us why we only do it once a year. And we're like, because it takes several employees, three solid months of planning. Like we cannot do it more than once a year. Yeah. So, and then immediately after that, we had another family day. So like it was really, really packed. And I just mm-hmm. had to be like every family day I've done, I've managed to get done. Like maybe not perfectly, mm-hmm. but it's always worked out in the past. It will also work out this time. Right. Like it always gets done. So yeah. Um, that's honestly how I got to grad school was <laughs> saying like, it will get done. It mm-hmm. may be because I've always managed to get it done in the past, you know, mm-hmm. maybe not perfectly, but something always gets turned in. So there you go. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, back to the thinking about what to change in the future. Mm-hmm. That was a huge part of when I worked at that, uh, summer camp was the first week. I made all the mistakes. Of course. I mean, all of them, <laughs> like everything, <laughs> like, yeah. And then, you know, we had the weekend and during the weekend I sat down and I was like, okay, well, that, that did not work. Mm-hmm. We need to do this part differently. I still would like to do this, but maybe we'll do this on Monday instead of Friday, you know, and really think about how to reorganize it mm-hmm. because I think I had some good ideas in there. They just, everything else around them was messed up. So the execution didn't quite live up to your expectations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, when I learned I had to be much more flexible with the organization. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, okay, I was sat down. I reflected on it. These are the big mm-hmm. changes I'm going to make. Next week's going to go great. 
So the second week, I made all different mistakes. <laughs> so, but what are you going to do? Uh, but you know? the but the thought that you're making different mistakes is actually a that means you're improving because you're not making yeah, the same exactly. mistakes over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's good. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, and if there, there is something that I really did screw up, mm-hmm. like, okay, I did not, you know, especially like personal things, like, you know, trying to think of an example here, but you know, I was supposed to call this person and I, on their birthday and I forgot or whatever. Like I just, have to like remind myself like it's okay to feel bad right like so yeah yeah. like it's okay and sometimes you know if it's a really rough day i just go to bed that's fine i'm just gonna go to bed and start over in the morning (laughs) and that that works i've i have done that sometimes it's just the best course of action to say well let's call a mulligan on today and we'll try again tomorrow because I think I think that's what we ended up doing yesterday is because that's we 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 had um we're the last of the immunizations we need before we go to China. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. with the cholera, with the cholera and that last rabies vaccine. And it's like, well, Ursula was just like, well, I'm taking a sick day. I'm like, okay, I'll do stuff tomorrow. I'm like, that's that's fine. That's perfectly understandable. (laughs) You know, so. So far, though, fingers crossed, no no ill effects. I'm sure we will be updating Twitter, and since this is going to come out while we're in China, everybody already knows how we reacted to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, and then I did have one incident mm-hmm. about two months ago or so at work where I managed to super glue my fingers together. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those situations, like, it was just ridiculous. And I just, like, I ended up, I was going to run my fingers under hot water, and I ran into my supervisor, and she was like, did you just super glue your fingers together? I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then, so she was helping me. Luckily, it came off. It was fine. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I was just kind of looking at it um, and saying, yeah, I screwed up. Mm. And my supervisor said something really smart. She said, Yeah. You did screw up, but it's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a mistake, but, you know, no one died. There was no, you know, it was easily fixable. But sometimes it is important Mm -hmm. to have that acknowledgement. Like, there are times where it's like, I feel like I really made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. No, no, it's all good. And I'm like, but it's nice to hear someone say like, yeah, you know, that was a mistake, but it's okay. You know. Just to have that acknowledgement. It just, mm-hmm. you know. Because otherwise. Validation, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, because otherwise you can just be beating yourself up. God, what a mistake. And I just can't. If if you don't have both the acknowledgement that it was a mistake and that, but it's okay, then you can, like, if you're like me with the wonky brain chemistry, sometimes that it's just like you dwell on it forever. Because, oh, yeah. Because All it's not that. okay. Yeah. Or maybe it is okay, but no one told you it was okay, so now you're worried that it wasn't okay, and oh god, I hate that. Yeah, unfortunately, um, mm. my husband does that a lot, where he'll just, yeah. uh, you know, pick something, and then, you know, not on purpose, but it'll just go mm. through, just worry it to death, and it's like, you just need to move on. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so. it's and it's not easy, so... And it's always yeah. the it's always nitpicky things. It's never something big. It's like something big you can just oh, look yeah. at and go, "Yeah, I screwed that up." But for whatever reason, yeah. you know, I'm you still have that bit where 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of just something so petty and so grade school that happened in grade school that you're still beating yourself up over oh, God, yes. 40 years later. And uh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. There's lots of them. Like I can come up with, you know, half a dozen off the top of my head where I'm mm-hmm. like, I was in sixth grade and I said this and now I'm going to lay awake at night obsessing over it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yep. Yep. So have to move on. Yep. <clears throat> so. So that leaves the happy question, but mm-hmm. often more difficult. And that is, do you celebrate your successes? And if so, how? Oh, yes. Um, so I think one of the things that just is really good for me is honestly mm-hmm. just crossing something off the list. Mm-hmm. And I've also discovered like it has to be physically crossing it off. Like if okay. you just have like a little checkbox next to it, it's not the same feeling. Doesn't work. Okay. Yeah. I'm just like, cause I've seen people are just like, they check it off the list and it's like, that's nice. But like, I actually have to go like that and, you know, scribble just it out. Scra- you know? Scratch it out. And that's just like, it is done. I don't have to worry about it. It can go away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, um, the, um, I don't know where I read this you know, mm-hmm. years ago on the internet somewhere, but that I read someone was saying that when you cross something on off a list, you actually get a little bit of a dopamine hit. Yep. So, like, that's really, I always keep that in mind, like, it's okay to cross stuff off the list, because that, even my brain, the happy stuff, you know? Yeah, uh, I at least, I can still get it from checking things off the list, because it was always checking things off the list for me, not scratching. Yeah. If I'm scratching through it, that means I don't have to do it at all. That's just how I am, yeah. So, and I think it's just in how you handle your lists. Yeah, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. in different systems, but yeah. Yeah. And then there's a lot of, you know, a lot of times, like, especially if I'm feeling really stressed about the event, like the mm-hmm. sleepover last month, when I came home, because I was the one that was sleeping there overnight, <laughs> which is a long story. <laughs> it was not my choice. But um, when I got home in the morning mm-hmm. after being at the museum for like, you know, 15 straight hours, it was just mm-hmm. this feeling of, you know, I did that. Yeah. I did it. And it's mm-hmm. done. You know, and it's mm-hmm. just this just idea of like, I was really stressed about it and somehow I pulled it off. Yeah. You know, and that's just like, just that feeling mm-hmm. is very, very good. You know, like, and it's especially like, you know, I try, I, I like to do little uh, crafty things. Like mm-hmm. I'm not very good at any of them, but you know, like knitting something or sewing something. Mm-hmm. And like, I always stick to the small projects because I like to have something big to look at. Right. You know, if it takes a year to do something, then it's just, I lose motivation, but if it's just like a little project, I can look at it and be like visible results. Yeah. I, you know? I, my mother's a quilter and a quilt takes yeah. months and I, yeah. I don't know how she, how she does it. Or there's, uh, she has this piece over her and it's not a quilt. It's actually a piece of cross stitch, but it is just this expansive sort of stellar abstract thing with fading colors. And, and oh, I'm man. just like, I'm looking at it closely and I'm like, who, who made this? She's like, I did. And I'm like, holy crap. I, I, I know how to cross stitch. I have done cross stitch. Yeah. I don't think I have the patience for just that level of, of whatever. And, you know, it always impresses me when she does something like that. Cause I, like you, I want something a little, a little quicker to resolve as it were. Yeah. Cause then yeah. I can see the result in mm-hmm. front of me. Like, yeah, I actually, speaking of cross-stitch, years ago when uh, my nephew was born, I found this um, really cool cross-stitch 
thing that was like a birth announcement um, mm-hmm. and it had the characters from Finding Nemo on it and uh, this was like <laughs> September and I was like I'll make it for him for Christmas <laughs> well, after December yeah. yeah you can see where this is going so December passed and I was like I'll make it for his birthday which was June mm-hmm. and then his birthday passed and mm-hmm. I was like I'll make it for next Christmas there you go yes. and I was like maybe I'll get them until he graduates high school yeah <laughs> No, that's 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 the crafter's dilemma. Like I have, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know how these people are all just are like, oh yes, my my sister is having a baby, so I'm knitting socks for the baby, and they're done on time. And I'm just like, how nope. do how do people? Nope. Yeah, I I don't understand how people do this. You my know? um my husband keeps asking me to knit him a sweater, and I'm like, well, like I've never been clear. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I could probably figure it out. Mm-hmm. Give me about twenty years. I might have something for you. Yeah. So, so I have friends but, who knit sweaters all the time, and I'm like, "She's yeah, this is your third no. sweater this year. What the hell?" Um, yeah. Or, um, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. So the other thing that I just do is, um, and this is just another when I get home, um, I like to after doing having a good day, mm-hmm. I like to. Um, just get on my computer and there's this website where you can do jigsaw puzzles online. Cool. Yeah. And so I sit there and I listen to a YouTube video or podcast mm. and I just like move the little puzzle pieces around on my screen. Right. And it's just like, it's not so much a reward as just sort of a way to relax, mm-hmm. but like, it's very much like, okay, you know, I did a big thing. I finished something. Now I can actually sit down and play a jigsaw puzzle. And then because it's all in digital, then mm-hmm. I don't have something I have to put on my wall. And worry so, about the cat knocking off the table and destroying halfway through. Uh, yeah, which yeah. she would. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's like another little, little reward that I do. And like, you know, for like a big event, like, um, mm-hmm. You know, like when I finished the class last semester or something, you know, someone gets a new job or whatever, you know, you know, like we'll go out for ice cream or go out for dinner, you know, watch a movie together, like things like that. But that's like not it's not like something I sit at home and look forward to all day. You know, it's just sort of like, a, hey, we did we did this. Let's go out and have fun. So, yeah, that's that's the we have a little thing. So we'll just. We, we can we can have a little celebration and and keep going it's, yeah. so it's all about micro rewards all yeah, the time instead much. of saving up for one big thing yeah yeah exactly i think that's the key for me like big mm-hmm. things would be nice but you know i it's the little things that would keep you going on a day-to-day basis rather yeah. than the end so, all right yeah. well that's everything yep Sounds so, good. Mm-hmm. So, the, the is there anything else you want to talk about or delve yeah. into, or just, or is there anything you want to promote other than this awesome family program you run at a museum in Alaska for ten months out of the year? <laughs> um, well, the museum is the um, University of Alaska uh, Museum of the North. It's muse- sorry, uaf.edu slash museum. You can find all of our stuff mm-hmm. there. It's fun. Um, lots of good things. Um, I am on Twitter, but not very often. It's Blue Aloe. Um, so if people really want to get a hold of me, I don't <laughs> really have other social media stuff. Yeah, that's about mm-hmm. it. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't have like fun things to promote, but. 
you work at a museum in Alaska doing <laughs> programs multiple times a year, multiple times a month. What is not awesome about that? Other than the part where you have to do it multiple times a month. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I mean, it's, it's stressful, but I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I never thought I'd be working on a top one. Like sort of into museums. It was not. So yeah. I'm just having fun. It's it's so. like uh one of our friends is the or was the curator for the collection of all the science fiction authors' papers at um <clears throat> Yeah, um Lynn Lynn Damien Thomas. Oh, right. Yes, yeah. I yeah. Remember. Yeah. So she, but this is what she got to do before she changed jobs and became like a chair at a, uni- at the other university. Yeah. And it's like, why? Yes. You, you, you have, you get to look at all of the, you, you get to not only look, but catalog and curate things like, you know, all the luminaries notes and early mm-hmm. manuscripts. And oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many cool stuff mm-hmm. in the collections, you know, and oh, that's yeah. kind of a cool part of my job is with working in education. Like I like that sort of curating and mm-hmm. organizing and filing stuff. Like my brain is well suited to that. But if I did that all day, every day, I'd go bonkers. Right. So, and my, but on the other hand, if I was talking to people all day long, like if I was with kids eight hours a day, every day, <laughs> um, other than the two weeks in the summer, I would also go mad. So yeah. it's, it's a nice mix of, mm-hmm. you know, I get to sit in my office and develop things and try different things. And then, you know, once a week or every couple of weeks, I go out and do stuff with other people and, you know, and because my uh, job, um, the themes that we do are, you know, so broad, I get to work with all of the different curators and all the different section managers. So I get to see the cool stuff there and, and, you know, work with them to highlight what they have in their collection. So it's a little bit of everything, which is really cool. And if you get into something you think is particularly neat, you have an excuse to dig into it, which. Well, I just, I just got to do a big event all about Ravens. Oh, Man, and it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, they're they're amazing. You heard about my my encounter with a, a live raven when we first arrived in Alaska. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So Just, it was oh. it was it was really fun. Mm. So yeah, I, I like that. And you know, some some themes I'm not so thrilled about, but there's always something interesting I can pull out. So. Oh yeah. It's fun. So yeah. So I guess that's about it. Um, support your local museum. Oh no! Absolutely, do it. Uh, we have we have some great museums here in uh, the Triangle area of North Carolina. I'm a big oh, yeah. proponent and supporter. I mean, it was uh, we got to see the Dead Sea Scrolls as it came touring at one of the local museums. Yeah, I know it really was. It was astounding. So, so yeah, um, your muse- your local museums, all your education people are doing amazing work, and and we really do need to support them more. So, yeah. And, you know, the big thing is that, you know, so many people and it's true for many museums is that, you know, they're not. But is that they're just sort of the old style of this is a collection of stuff and these are paintings on the walls. But museums are so much more than that, you Mm -hmm. know, and they're really more about the people and the education and sparking curiosity and learning new things. So, yeah, go to the programs at your local museum. Oh yeah, no, there and there. There, I know there are great programs here, and I know there are great programs in some of the other places I've lived. So yeah, everybody, go check out your local museums. Uh, at 
Local maybe you know, if you're in the middle of the desert somewhere, yes, local may be a relative term. Go check out your nearby museums. That's yeah, a little more... And yeah. often the little tiny museums have the really more interesting stuff anyway. And then you'll get people there who are so enthused to talk to you about stuff. Like I know I've heard the stories about the Butter Museum. The Butter Museum, well, the Butter Museum was just like, wow. It was the Museum of Native American History at the tip of Manhattan Island in New York that surprised mm-hmm. us. Because we had no idea it was there. There was almost no signage. We had just gone in like, oh, look, a museum that, uh, and it's raining, so let's just duck in here. Mm-hmm. And then here it is, the entire, you know, artifacts and history of the native peoples of North America from the earliest to modern, Mm -hmm. modernish times. And we're just like floored that this little out of the way office building happens to have this amazing, rich cultural thing right there. So, yeah, it's great. So there's treasures everywhere. There are absolutely. All right. All right, Emily, thank you so much. This was great. It was really fun. Yeah. Yep. I've been uh, listening to the podcast for a long time. Well, I didn't listen to it when it first started, but then sometime last year, I was like, I need to do all the episodes. And so I (laughs) sort of marathoned them all. And then I was like, "Hmm, maybe someday I'll be on it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, if if you uh, do you do the badge collecting? Uh, Yeah. Okay, then I'm not going to tell it right now because I have to tell the people at home. We'll be right back. But after that, I will give you the special I was a guest on the podcast badge code. So, yeah. So while I do that, um, we'll be right back after, you know, this. I had a great time talking to Emily. I've had a great time talking to all of our guests. Uh, so I I realize I say that a lot, but I'm really grateful to people like Emily and, uh, you know, everybody who's who's made this show possible over the last, it's almost two years now. And so I can talk a little bit about some of the upcoming episodes. Uh, I have an interview uh, a catch-up interview in a couple weeks with uh, Alicia, who we spoke to last year before she got married. Uh, I have an interview coming up. This one has three pages of notes with uh, Janet Silver. I'm really excited about. And when we hit the big 100, which is only, I guess, five episodes away now, uh, we're going to do a, our annual catch-up interview with me. So that'll be kind of exciting. All right, so for those of you who've been hanging out and waiting for the badge code, the badge code this week is MUSEUM. You can go to productivityalchemy.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and there should be a box to put in the the badge code, and you will get the badge for this week's episode. It's really cool. We issue Mozilla Open badges. These are badges that have 
some metadata in them or images that have some metadata in them that tell you how the person who has it earned them and they can be put on other sites and they're used by open source projects and museums haha and educational institutions and obviously podcasts so it's pretty cool you can support this podcast and all the other podcasts we do by going to patreon.com slash ursula v that pays for the equipment, the hosting, the new and improved healthcare we need to be able to continue to do Kevin and Ursley cheap. Uh, after 10 years, it takes a toll on the body. Just saying. And you also, as a bonus, get Hugo Award or Hugo Award nominated. She's not a winner yet. She's a nominee. And I, we don't think she's going to win. But anyway, uh, Hugo nominated author T. Kingfisher's self-published works for free as part of the Patreon, which we think is a pretty big bonus. Uh, you can also go to uh, ko-fi.com slash ksunny and buy me a coffee. Coffee is one of my primary uh, intakes. So as I've spoken of before, and I appreciate everyone, I appreciate you so much that if you buy me a coffee, you get the badge code that says, for the badge that says, I bought Kevin a coffee. So isn't that pretty awesome? All right. Uh, the other thing to mention is if you can't support us financially, and even if you do, uh, you know, you can still do this. Um, and we don't fault you if you can't fault us support us financially. Hey, man, things happen. I understand completely. Uh, but you can share this post with your friends. You can share it on social media. You can join. If you're a Habitica user, you can join the Productivity Alchemy Habitica Guild, which has only been like sort of public for about a week now. But I noticed there were some signups before I made it public, and I think you guys are awesome. So I want a big shout out to everybody in the uh, Productivity Alchemy Guild, uh, even though I haven't seen any of the stuff for it yet, because I've been basically offline for the last, I don't know, month. Anyway, um, you can join that guild, too, as a way to uh, to hang out. We've got the Facebook page and all that stuff. So I want to thank everybody for listening and putting up with these episodes with very little chit-chat and mostly interviews. We will be back in person next week, which is pretty awesome. And we'll be more than happy to talk about, I'm sure, all the cool things we did in China or the terrible things. I'm sure there were terrible things by now. But at the moment, hopefully I'm asleep on an airplane and we will talk to you next week. Uh, oh, you're right. And in the meantime, stay productive.